It's time for a little trick and definitely a lot of treat. Welcome in. Let's do it. Another win. The Trojan Sports Night Podcast kicks off right now. No, no, I don't know. You said cock a doodle doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals in Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojan Sports.com Podcast. For a USA, a USA. With Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You love 33. You better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the, him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message board. We start March. Yeah. And yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. <laughs> I know. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? That's really a good one. Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. And as the man says, your Halloween weekend coming to a final beginning. What is actually Halloween? If you're hearing this on Monday morning, happy Halloween, everybody. October 31st. 2016, I am Chris Morales, as the man says. Adam J. Maya, beat reporter and editor of Trojan Sports is here. Adam donning his very uh, appropriate Halloween costume, which is nothing at all. Meanwhile, publisher Chris Swanson is dressed up as, uh, what is it, Chris? You're going to ask me again? Well, we all know, but I I don't want to say it. I don't want the words coming out of my mouth. It's a white van. There we go. (sighs) Are you the kind of guy that gives out, uh, you're not even trying to give out candy. You just put the bag over the kid's head and bring him in, right? I, I just, well, there's that. I do do that if the kid is not attended to, but there's also the other good one is the uh, the naked door answering with the candy in front of, you know, the bowl of candy in front of your there, door. Yes, yes, I got it. Thank you. That's also a good one. <sighs> good night, everyone, already. Uh, so the Trojans win on Friday <laughs> Excuse me, not Friday, <laughs> on Thursday, 45-24 over the Cow Bears at the Coliseum. It felt good to win again, four straight now, so we can definitely call it a streak. But as Adam Maya pointed out in the postgame notes, which I enjoyed probably more than the actual game, it was sloppy. Adam, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about what I would say about this game, and my initial impression is that it's probably a good thing that you can win by 21 while not playing your best or not even playing very well for much of the game. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the penalties, and we're going to get into obviously all of this as we break it down, the penalties, the fumble, it, it's just is sloppy. And I don't know how anybody, I know we're all excited and four straight is great. And we should, you know, already we're a two touchdown favorite over, over Oregon, especially hosting that game at the Coliseum. Uh, so we should be able to, to easily win that game. But I don't know how anybody feels that we can go up to Seattle and even touch Washington playing su- such messy football, right? Chris Swanson. Hey, I'm with you. I'm glad we're starting the show off in a very negative fashion because I actually I didn't really have much positive to say, even though USC blew the doors off of Cal because USC's 
in the exhibition part of their schedule. Usually it's at the beginning of the season, right? You see that happen, but somehow, some way, you know, I know it's in conference too, so usually that's not the case, but they're playing against teams that cannot hang with them, cannot hang with them up front, have no chance. If you can run the ball at will, the other team should not be able to hang with you, and that's what we've seen from USC the last few weeks is, yes, they're, they're on a win streak. It's good. Good for them. I'm glad, you know, they're in there. They're sneaking up in there. If they pull off a big win somehow against Washington, right, all of a sudden, you know, things they are, things are looking really good because of what they've been able to do and they and getting business done over the last four weeks. But but I don't know how to, to really judge them because they I don't think they've played that well. And, and it's just anyway, you know, they've been blowing out these teams and it hasn't mattered. I've seen turnovers and uh, – that's the biggest thing that's jumped out to me is really the turnovers because, well, you know, it's hard to judge the offense and the defense when they're both playing better against somebody that can't really hang with them. But those turnovers, if you turn the ball over against a team that can hang with you, a good team, um, I, you can't win. That's why, you know, one of the biggest indicators of, of teams, uh, you know, win percentage is, is the turnover margin really a lot of the times. And, and USC right now coughs the ball up. All the time, I expected to come bite them in the butt against Washington, maybe against someone else. So I, I'm, I'm. There's a lot of positives to take from a four-game win streak, but I'm not that positive about this team's outlook right now. I think they're going to finish around seven and five. Well, and there are there are some positives to the offense. When you just look at yardage, I mean, there's no doubt we could have still screwed this up if Sam Darnold had not come into it. So Sam Darnold has performed well. The offense has performed well. We've put up some amazing yards, as Adam pointed out in his postgame, 629 yards of total offense in the game, which is impressive nonetheless. Um, but to your point, put Washington in the loss column just for a second. Let's say we can't hang, which is probably probable. It's the biting in the ass by somebody else part, Right. It is UCLA, Notre Dame, or Oregon even, shocking us and saying, well, wait a minute, because we all feel so confident now that we're going to win all these games, other than Washington. That's, that's, that's just how everybody seems to feel on the boards, and everyone who's a USC fan, because we have seen four straight. And Adam Maya, an alum from USC, but a journalist, how do you feel? I think it's a good game for the coaching to work off of, because there's a lot to clean up, a lot to keep their focus for Oregon. Everybody's excited about Washington. I actually attended this past game and watched it in the stands. I was not in the press box. I hadn't done that in a few years. I thought it would be fun. It was a lot of fun. But I, you know, I was in the, the USC section, of course, and it seemed like a lot of people were talking themselves into USC beating Washington which I guess is inevitable after winning four in a row. And especially if they do beat Oregon, then you're, you're on a five-game winning streak. A lot of people were watching that Washington-Utah game. Washington looked beatable. So people are already looking forward to that matchup and calling the upset. And because of USC's history, they're indignant. It's not even an upset. It's a game that, that USC should win. That's how a lot of people feel. And maybe they didn't feel that way a month ago, but they're back. <laughs> right. You know, that arrogance is back. And uh, now if the team takes on that personality, then they're going to get smashed at Husky Stadium. But because of the way that they played versus Cal, I think 
it's probably good for them to watch the film and see the many things that they can clean up. They committed a season high 13 penalties for, I think, 120 yards. 125. 125. You, you won't beat a good team playing like that. Uh, you won't beat a good team committing three turnovers. This is why they lost to Utah. A lot of people don't want to give Utah credit, and they feel like if USC got to play Utah again, that they would blow them out. Well, you wouldn't blow them out if you're committing all these turnovers and all these penalties. And that's kind of the point. And that was a reason why they lost to Utah. Not the, not the reason, but it is a reason. It's a contributing factor. And the penalties were a big deal versus Stanford. That's another game that there's reason to think that they could beat Stanford, especially the way Stanford's been playing for basically the last month and a half since they played USC. But you won't beat disciplined teams if you're playing sloppy. You can get away with it versus Cal. So that's one side of the coin. There is another side that I want to make sure that we address. Cal came in averaging over 40 points a game. And it made many believe that, it led many to believe that this would be a shootout. I didn't think so because USC doesn't really get into a lot of shootouts. They just, their style of play typically won't allow for it. They, they seem to kind of slow the game down, even when they are racking up all the yards. USC had, I think, 240 yards in the first quarter, and they had 14 points. A lot of teams, if they put up that many yards, they're going to score 20-plus points. USC just had 14. And so this game played out the way I thought it would, but what I really did like about USC is that they went up 21 nothing, and that is how you quiet an explosive team. And that's how you prevent a shootout. Because USC doesn't want to get into a shootout. I don't think they want to play a game where both teams are living in the 40s or even higher than that. I really don't think that's, that they're comfortable with that and that's their nature. So to go up 21 nothing, and then to have a big lead at halftime, you basically won the game. You know? I'm sure they could have played a little bit better in the second half, but ultimately being up 28-10 at halftime and by the end of the third quarter, they were up 42-17. That's what you do to a team that's inferior to you that's capable of putting up a lot of points. You can't afford a slow start, and that's really a lesson for the Oregon game as well. You don't want to be down 21-10 in the second quarter versus Oregon. You don't want to give them life. So in that regard, I think uh, both the offense and the defense did their job. You know, it, it, it more than sufficed. But if we're talking about a better opponent, then, yeah, there, there's some yellow flags from this game. I like that yellow flags. Uh, I think that's a great point about the defense and a very positive spin. But Chris Swanson, Mr. Anti-Positivity, I don't want to say negativity, not on Halloween, is about to shun that point, I have a feeling. Well, I, I was going to say I, I agree with Adam. Um, if you want me to poke holes in some of it, I totally can. 
because they're 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 questions. They're fair questions about this team. I, I agree. They they put up you know they beat Cal badly. They've been everybody recently that they should have been badly badly. Uh, they've handled business, but you know I look at Cal's offense. I think that kind of plays into USC's defensive strengths. They don't challenge uh, where I feel like USC is thin. And I know Cal had a bunch of injuries on defense. It wasn't really going to stop USC from scoring at all. So. I think it is a great performance by the defense because Cal forces a shootout with pretty much anybody. But I wonder what the defense is going to be, uh, you know, how we're going to feel about them when they have to face a team again that will run the ball at them and can do that successfully because Stanford is that type of team. Alabama is that type of team. Utah is that type of team. I'm not sure if they've played anybody else that can really do that the way that those teams do that. And they're zero and three in those games. Yeah, that's so, a common thread. You're you're exactly right. There's a reason why, beyond obviously the quarterback change, it really has nothing to do with the quarterback. There's a reason why those teams were able to impose their will versus USC because they won the line of scrimmage. And really, for the last month, we're talking about Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado, which was more competitive but would still couldn't win the line of scrimmage. Therefore, USC was able to move up and down the field versus all those teams. Yeah, so again, I mean, I think we've touched on this before too. Washington, Notre Dame, UCLA, even though I think, you know, two-thirds of those teams aren't very good, those teams will probably be able to, to test USC's offense more. And we'll see. It's it's football's a game of matchups, and I think yeah. that if USC plays a six and one team that you know is that way because uh, they don't they're good at you know avoiding the line of scrimmage game. USC has a really good chance to win that game, but if they're played a six and one team that's good at winning the line of scrimmage, who knows what's going to happen? So we'll see, right? And while maybe many want to toss away Notre Dame, because Notre Dame has lost some games that are just mind-boggling, it seems, though, that they have stepped up for certain games. And this would be a game, especially to end the season, that uh, Brian Kelly and the team would, would step up for. I mean, obviously, how they opened the season against Texas. But what they did this past weekend with Miami, I mean, they stepped up for that game, where, and the Syracuse game, even though, again, that's not this banner matchup. It, are, it shows that they can't step up, and you know they're going to want to step up, especially coming down to the Coliseum. Yeah, this November is going to be pretty wild, I think, because you have a few coaches that are coaching for their jobs. That's a great point, and, too. That's a great point. I mean, you Oregon, Mark Helfrich, probably on the hot seat. Brian Kelly, Notre Dame, probably on the hot seat. Jim Mora, not on the hot seat, but it might feel a little warm in the room for him. It, the way that they're playing. I think they're one in four in the conference. And so that would be their biggest win. That in USC would be Notre Dame's biggest win. And USC would be Oregon's biggest win. And we Chris and I have been talking about this for probably a month now. USC would be Washington's biggest win. Now, Washington had a lot of game exercise from Oregon to Stanford. That's obviously important for them in the North. But do you know how long they've been waiting to to play USC and beat them up? They, they've probably been waiting for about 25 years. 
No, it's a great. It, that's an amazing point because I feel like nobody is giving them credit for being a number four school in the country. And a lot of people, it's, oh, well, nobody sees the games. Ah, oh, you know, the Pac-12 isn't the SEC. Ah, oh, it's the West Coast. But they, they spank USC. They put up 70 on USC or high 60s. Everyone's going to notice now, right? Yeah. Well, what we were talking about was Washington hasn't been favored versus USC or a decisive favorite since 2001. In 2010, they might have been a favorite going into that game. They had uh, Jake Locker. They had a pretty good team. They had beaten USC the year before in Seattle. The big upset, Stark over uh, Carroll. But this was Lane Kiffin's first season, and it was a really good game, and Washington ended up winning on a last-second field goal. And uh, they probably weren't favored, though. It, it was like a Coliseum. It, it was probably close to a pick But... 2001 would have been the last time where Washington was very good and would have been favored handily over USC. And I expect that they'll be favored by at least seven, but you know, maybe closer to 10 going into that game, assuming that Washington's undefeated and, uh, and even assuming that USC beats Oregon. So... Uh, not that the players are so much you know, thinking about the lines at all, but they know what's in front of them. Washington has an opportunity to go undefeated and to play for a national title. And USC has been the class of the Pac-12, Pac-10 for a long time. And even now, even in, in this era where they're not so much winning the conference, they're bringing in a lot of the best players. And they're still the, the shiny program of the conference. So you can, you can believe that, you better believe that, that those Washington players have been waiting for this moment where not only do we want to beat USC, but we want to destroy them. We want to do what we did to Oregon and to Stanford. So I, I just think that USC has got, got their work cut out for them in November because of, of all the, the different storylines that are going to be playing out with each game. As Mike Tyson once said of an opponent, I want to eat his children. And I think that's what Washington feels for USC. Chris Swanson, you're, you're the kind of guy who can get behind that sentiment. I always want to eat children. We're going to have to cut that out, <laughs> I think. Um, Hold on, let me stop laughing. It's a good joke. <laughs> what, what, it's we got to turn that into a you know, turn that into a loop. It's a mega mix. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm with you on that point. I think that I think that as much as I just complained about USC's midseason schedule and how it's really shown nothing, the end of it, even though Washington's the only team to point to that's nationally relevant or whatever, is going to be very telling too because. I feel like UCLA playing USC at home is always the best performance that UCLA puts up in their seasons. That's just, that's just how it is. So as, as bad as they are, USC will get their best shot. Notre Dame's the rivalry game. Washington, for all the points that Adam just you know, uh, pointed out, will, you know, will be reasons why that's a game that USC gets somebody's best shot. And then every week that passes by, I wonder if Oregon's just going to figure it out and have a flash of being the Oregon of the old and being dangerous and being able to challenge USC with a run game. 
I'm not sure because uh, I think Oregon's awful. I will predict that USC will destroy Oregon. That will be the prediction that I'll make. But I feel like the teams that played Oregon earlier in the year probably feeling a little bit better that they don't have to get Oregon, you know, at the end of the year. So it's all bad for USC, really, in terms of, you know, the schedule remaining, uh, what's left for them in terms of teams really giving them a run for their money. Um, I think we're going to find out a lot. If USC runs through this part of their schedule, you know, they're a good team. There's no question about that. So it will be very telling. Oregon has a lot in common with Cal. I mean, they're not identical, but Oregon's defense is just as bad, if not worse, than Cal's. Probably worse. And their offense maybe isn't as consistent as Cal's right now, but they can put up 50, as they just did this past weekend. Now, they're not putting up 50 on USC, but it's similar. The, the, the matchup is similar to what we just saw on Thursday at Coliseum. And I think a lot of the things that uh, were important in that game will hold true for this Oregon game, where USC needs to start fast and get ahead and make Oregon one-dimensional. And if they do that, then I think they're going to be fine. I think that they'll win handily. But I guess because of what we've seen for the last decade from Oregon, in the back of my mind, I feel like this game could be a lot closer than the USC-Cal game. I think Cal gets a bit intimidated at the Coliseum, where I don't think Oregon will be. They've won there, and, and they played well there. And so I think this game is, I mean, not a trap game, but USC just better not overlook Oregon. They better treat Oregon like they did Cal, where, you know, I I feel like with Cal, they were trying to dominate them and blow them out. And maybe they got in their own way sometimes, but they really were able to do whatever they wanted for the most part. And Cal wasn't really moving the ball until later in the second quarter, and they were already down by two touchdowns. So I just – this game isn't a lot to me is what I'm trying to say. I, I know for a lot of people they've already moved on to Washington, and I, I, don't, think, I don't think you can do that with Oregon. I feel like you want to say it's a trap game. It's, it's, on, it's, kind of a it's, on, it's on the tip of your tongue, I think. Yeah. Oregon, you know, put up 54 against Arizona State this past weekend. And again, the Cal game went to overtime where they lost 52-49, but they still put up 49 points against Cal. Then before that, they lost to Washington 70 to 21. Yeah. If they were able to convert, if USC still is sloppy and turns the ball over three, four times, and they can convert that, it could be razor thin, where again, Oregon just yeah. stepping up changes the wave of something. And that's the scary part. You're right. That's really the point there is that if USC is turning the ball over multiple times, then Oregon can steal the game. Colorado nearly did that. USC should have beaten Colorado by at least 20. And I think Colorado is good. I think they're legitimate. They're not great, but, but they're good. And not just good for Colorado, but they're actually in the top half of the Pac-12. 
they're probably like fourth or fifth. They might win the South because of the position that they're in. They're, they're probably the favorite right now to win the South division. So Colorado's good, and, and USC was better, and, and a lot better, and, but they turned the ball over. They gave the ball away. And so they got away with it totally with, with California. But with Colorado, it got dicey. And you can maybe get away with it again with Oregon, and maybe they can turn the ball over three times and win by 20. But history shows that that's not a formula for success. You have to play great football otherwise if you're going to turn the ball over that many times. So I, re- I really think it's important that they clean this up ASAP. I, I think you, w- and also you want to play a good game versus Oregon because you need to play good football versus Washington. You need to play great football versus Washington. You don't want to start developing bad habits. And I think we've seen some of that. This isn't the first time where they've turned the ball over more than once. It's not the first time where they were penalized you know, half dozen times more than their opponent. They're just making too many mistakes. And Clay Helton's Halloween costume this year so far is being a real head coach. Yeah, I said it. So nothing will stop that momentum like letting Washington put up 70 on you and destroy you. Nothing will stop. And he may still keep his job, especially if he can win out UCLA-Notre Dame. We're not going to get into that whole conversation yet again or bring it up just yet. Chris Swanson's waiting, of course, but not yet. But nothing will stop that momentum and have people really question it and then have people lose this arrogance and look at the schedule and realize, well, wait a minute, those five straight, that wasn't much of anything when you go into Seattle and you get completely annihilated by a team that nobody feels. Again, even going through the history, we don't don't feel as USC fans that we should ever lose – to anybody, but definitely not the Washingtons of the world still. We don't feel that. And to your point, the, the, the sloppy bad habits that have developed Chris Swanson, how do, you, how do you change that when you've only got one game left before Washington? Yeah, I, I think that with uh, with USC, it's it's just about you're hoping that some of their young players uh, grow up week to week. I think that that's really it because, I mean, really when we're talking about turnovers, I mean, we're – we're talking about uh, Sam Darnold. A lot of it is him, um, and I think a lot of it is, you know, maybe some of the younger running backs too. I don't know. You could place it on them as well. But it's Sam Darnold. I think that you hope week to week he grows, he grows, he grows, and he stopped turning the ball over because if you think about some of these games, I mean, if, if USC didn't turn the ball over, maybe they beat Cal by 40 points. And, you know, this talk about them being a for-real team seems much more real, and the talk about them competing with Washington – at Seattle seems much more real. The problem is, is that they do turn the ball over and that's why they are what they are. You know, they are what their record is. They're around 500, uh, you know, and that's kind of what you expect from a team that turns the ball over like that. And you don't expect them to beat Washington, but if they clean that up, they're not a 500 team uh, because they've shown the ability to move the ball a lot. And the defense has been pretty good recently. Um, So that's kind of the key to me. I think that if Darnold continues to mature into you know a top flight top level quarterback uh the sky's the limit for usc it's just how quickly can he do this can he get it done before washington like you mentioned i'm not sure well i want to actually go through the penalties i'm looking at them they're in front of me and it's interesting to see 
what exactly went wrong. They had a a holding call on a punt return. They had a holding call from an offensive lineman. They had a couple personal fouls. Then a false start. Uh, an eligible player downfield. These are details. We had, they had an offside. These, these are small details that really shouldn't be happening this frequent in game eight. This is like game one, game two type stuff. The personal fouls are usually emotional or you know poor judgment. And so that's a matter of discipline. And typically that can be cleaned up. But what concerns me is all the details that are that we're seeing, like an eligible guy downfield and offsides and false starts. That that shouldn't be happening at the end of October. Twelve men on the field on another one. So again, this team is still immature. They're they're good. I think early on we started to question their talent, right, Chris? I mean, yes. It, it, it looked like when they played Stanford, and they, they weren't competitive. It was so confounding that we wondered: Do they just not have good players? I, I don't know how that's possible, but it, that's what it felt like. And, and now, you know, with the benefit of another month of the season, or you know, it's been like five games since then. Um, they're, they're very talented. They're probably the most talented team in the Pac-12. But they're still immature. They're still an immature team. So that's going to come back to coaching. That That's the coaching responsibility to get that fixed. I'm not assigning blame to Helton for, for each of these penalties. But, but really, if they... If it doesn't change, then it does come back to him. Adam, it's all coaching. I'm glad you finally got there. Uh, because yeah. this, this is why if I was the AD, I would still make a change after the season unless USC finished on a run and finished 9-3 and three or something like that. Like, you know, one out, basically. Is that for year ever since Pete Carroll left, I've seen kind of the same indications each year of um, poor coaching, and that is penalties that really can change the season. I mean, if you think about it, you know, if you go eight and four, and in some you lost two games in part because of penalties, maybe you're ten and two that year, nine and three, or something. If you don't do those things, I feel like good coaches, you know, have disciplined teams that don't do those things. So I've seen that for years. I feel like uh, with Clay Helton on the staff as well, um, and uh, the other part of it is when you. You don't have a chance against elite level teams, which has continued. And when you play teams that can compete with you, it's a big toss up if you'll win or not at USC, which it should never be a toss up. You should win most of those games. You should win most of your games. It continues. It continues every year. Um, even on this four game win streak when everybody's positive, I just think about that in the back of my mind, you know, they, they didn't compete against Stanford for some reason. I don't even understand that game. Um, they, they, Alabama destroyed them. Uh, they lost wonderful game. I mean, they're, they are what they are. They're, you know what I mean? They've lost three games already. And, 
Yeah, I mean, Alabama made USC look like an FCS school for the latter two and a half quarters of that game. USC should never look like that. And well, and this is my problem is while everybody's getting excited by a win streak, and I understand that, is that the standards at USC should be higher. They should never lose to Stanford on the road by, you know, 18, 17 points, whatever it was, especially this Stanford team, as we've yeah, seen not it unfold. Uh, they should never lose like that to Alabama. And when USC has a two-touchdown lead on the road against Utah, which, while it's a very good team, that's not a team that should come back and beat you, ever. It's not Michigan yeah. on the road. It's not Alabama on the road. I think the world of Utah. But these are big red flags. And the penalties, too, continue. I, I doubt I, – I haven't looked at Utah's penalties, but really I doubt Kyle uh, – you know, Coach Whittingham over there has a, has a team that's committing a bunch of penalties every year, and they're winning nine or ten games and competing for division titles with that – with the talent pool they have. There's no way. There's no way. So these things need to change. They do. Yeah, you. I mean, I know that as people hear what you're saying, they would immediately point to the fact that – Pete Carroll's USC team regularly led the conference in penalties. A lot of those were of the aggressive nature. And at the same time, those were the best teams in America. So it doesn't really apply. This USC team isn't the best team in America or in the top five or in the top ten. They're, they're not even ranked. Now, if I were ranking them, I would probably rank them around 20. That's probably where they belong right now. So I, I don't care that they're unranked, but we know that they're not a top five team. Some people can get away with that and, and be a top five team. But because they're a top five team, they can get away with it. But you pointed to Utah, which is a good example. They, they wouldn't be able to. They wouldn't be able to get away with that because of who they are. They're, they're closer to a 20 to 25 team. And therefore, can't make as many mistakes, can't beat themselves. So this USC team has been not living dangerously, but they've just been kind of wild for about a month. And they could afford it versus Cal and Arizona, ASU, and even Colorado. And maybe they can versus Oregon, but we're, we're not trying to nitpick here. We're just pointing out the fact that USC has room for improvement, and these things will determine outcomes of a game. Maybe, maybe, maybe not these games. Maybe not October, but I, I think they will in November. You know, we, we're not just saying this to say it. I think that it's really going to matter in November. I think that they're going to have to play better. Uh, speaking of which. I want to bring up Sam Darnold here. I think he had his worst game, <laughs> which might sound crazy because he threw five touchdowns and 230 yards, you know, despite throwing 25 passes. So his yards per attempt was very good. Completed 18 of them. But he wasn't very accurate. I think he held the ball too long a lot of the time. I had a bit of a different vantage point from, from where I was sitting in the stand than I normally would in the, in the press box. And it's probably, I, not probably, it's a lot different than if you're watching it from home. 
And you can just see that Cal's defense was atrocious and and USC could do whatever it wanted. And it's probably, again, also, like I said about the team, a good sign that Darnold could throw five touchdowns and they could score as many points as they did without playing their best. But of his five starts, this to me was the, the worst one. And I mean, obviously the turnovers are a part of that as well. He had the two fumbles and he had the interception, but he just wasn't as uh, crisp as usual. And so I was curious to know what you guys thought about how he played. Adam, coming hard at Sammy D. I don't know. <laughs> Chris, well, go ahead. Well, I'm wearing a Max Brown jersey. As That's not surprising. Speak, so. Max Brown jersey and nothing else. <laughs> Whoa, okay. I thought he was going to jump McMahon jersey. <laughs> I like it. I like the reference. Um no, I you know I'm with you. I didn't want to go there because we've been hammering USC pretty hard for winning, you know, 87 to 3 or whatever the score was. But um I'm with you. I uh, turned the ball over. Uh I didn't think he he looked that great throwing the ball and you, as you mentioned Cal's defense was atrocious. I I their secondary, I am pretty sure they had walk-ons or something playing <laughs> because it looked No, I'm serious. It looked like I could no, I bad. could walk in there and line up. I think they're really banged up. I think that's what I remember. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on that. So I think they might be really relying on walk-ons. But, yeah, it, it, it's, again, it's a game where it's really hard to tell because you're he threw five touchdowns. So yeah. as people look back in history, you know, at this game, they go, oh, yeah, he threw five touchdowns. That's an amazing game. Look at him. What a stud. Look at his numbers. But I'm with you. I, I thought that it was one of his worst games, and I'm curious to see. Uh, what will happen when Sam Darnold plays Washington? That that to me will be the game where we will know um, really where this where he stands because I think he's amazing. I think he's incredible, but people, you know, I see these numbers that they're putting out there is ranking and efficiency and all that kind of stuff, which is really really high. And you know, he didn't really have to compete that much against uh, the Alabama on the schedule or you know Stanford, I guess, earlier in the year. Uh, so I, it's, I'm curious to see what will happen in Washington. I think the world of Sam Darnold. I think he's a great quarterback, but is he that? Is he already that elite? We'll find out when he plays a team like Washington. I I think he's great because, again, in my opinion, this was his worst game out of his five starts. And for most others, if they're playing their worst game or their worst of you know five games, they're not going eighteen and twenty-five for two thirty and five touchdowns. So. He still played well, I guess, but everything I'm saying is uh, it's not a revelation. These are things that that the coaches are going to be going over with him as they pour over film over the weekend, and they have their tell the truth Monday session. Just these are things I noticed. I felt like his throws were late, and the deep ball to me is really becoming a thing. They're not on time. You look at the one that, that Darius caught for a touchdown, which maybe he committed offensive PI. I didn't think it was blatant. Some people thought it was obvious. I felt like they were battling for the ball, and I, I'm I tend to just believe that you know defensive backs and receivers should be able to to engage in some contact. 
in football. So I didn't have a problem with what Darius did. The throw was just kind of there. I mean, it was really a jump ball. And Darius won, but it required a lot from your receiver. And uh, a better defensive back picked up that pass off. So it, it just, to me, seems like most passes that are beyond about 25 yards are off. They're, they're just not there. It requires a really great play from the receiver or they're going incomplete. It, it's usually overthrown or underthrown. They're just not in sync. Where be, be, between you know, 5 and 20, 25, Darnold is near flawless. I love his ball placement and the trajectory of the throws and the timing of it. I think he's excellent. This is where I fall in love with him and I see him playing on Sundays. So I think it's a skill that he still just has to, to sharpen. And I, I'm, I'm guessing he will. He's a true uh, redshirt freshman. But it is a part of their offense. They like to go downfield a lot. And they're doing it more and more. And so that's why I bring it up because we saw it. We, we saw it in this game. We saw it with the Arizona game where he had kind of the rough first quarter, or was it? Yeah, he had a rough first quarter I in the Arizona. I believe it was there. Yeah. yeah. I, these games all kind of blend in together, you know? They're the exhibition games. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, and he, he even turned it around in that game, but those longer passes I think are uh, just something to, to monitor. Now, do you think that's because of his age, because he's a freshman? No. I, I'm thinking more it's because of his development, just where he's at. Okay. You know, every quarterback comes in with different strengths and weaknesses. And Darnold, I, I don't even think, has a true weakness. Maybe this is it. Um, ball security could be another one. But I think those are both correctable. And I think, uh, you know, I, I trust him. He just seems to have a good head on his shoulders. So, if this is what we're talking about after his fifth start, where he's already thrown 18 touchdowns and well over 1,000 yards, then he's doing something right. He's doing a lot of things right. Yep. He's really good for a true redshirt freshman. I don't get it. That's what you said earlier. So, Like, I, I corrected it. I never. But thank you. Thank Chris Watson just waiting on you, ready. You. Just waiting, ready I, to swing. I just thought it was funny, so wow. I was going to bring it back. I'm sorry. Uh, bringing Jeez. it back? Okay. Just swinging at the guy. Right, somebody Boy, else who's uh, impressive and, and uh, was definitely the game, if, if you will, that was the return of the Rojo. <laughs> uh, Ronald Jones rushed for a career high 223 yards on just 18 carries as Adam pointed out in his post-game notes becoming the 18th Trojan to eclipse 200 yards and the first since Buck Allen did it with 205 yards versus Arizona in 2014 um, Thursday was Rojo's second and yes by the way if you if, if you don't you haven't heard that bit before if you're new to the show that was a bit where I called him Rojo was that two years ago or was that last year it might have been last well, year. He wasn't there two years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. So that was last year. Thursday was Rojo's Probably. second career 100-yard game. He also caught his second career touchdown. So was this just a flash in the pan, or do we think uh, Ronald Jones is back 
and back and better than ever. <laughs> I think we learned that, like we like we're going to learn a lot of things in a couple weeks. We want to see more of it. That looked like the Rojo that I remember. He was awesome. He looked fast. He hasn't always looked fast this year. I don't know why, but he hasn't. And he said that he didn't feel as fast. But this was vintage Ronald Jones. It's weird to think that he's only had two 100-yard games. The other one was last year versus Arizona, and he ran for 177 in that one. And because of how well he played in that game and how much he did with just few carries throughout the season last year, you would have thought that he had eclipsed 100 yards four or five times. But he only did it that one time. And, and this year, it's been very up and down. And, of course, he got the big opportunity with Justin Davis out. So some of the things that I wrote down that I noticed from him in this game was Rojo has great slashing speed. And what that allows for is he'll run through arm tackles because when he's cutting, he's still going forward. A lot of guys that can cut like him will get very lateral. And while they're trying to make the, the linebacker or the defender in front of them hesitate and then blow by him, Rojo's still moving forward. He's able to cut while running forward, which I think is a, a rare trait. And that's really what allows for him to explode the way he does and turn a three- or four-yard carry into a 12-yard carry and get into the second level of the defense. But what we were seeing with Cal's defense is that there was nobody there at the second level. And so he was able to get into the defensive backfield and and rip off these 30- and 40-yard runs. So that that part of it was probably more a function of Cal, you know, where, where he broke the, the longer runs because – he had room to run. I mean, that, that was evident if you if you were looking from up top. But those first down runs, that's him. That's his, uh, his brilliance. That's why I like him. That's why I thought last year this guy could be special and, and prove to be one of the better USC running backs in their history. Because I don't think a lot of running backs can, can cut as quick as he can. And, and violently as he can. You know, he he's really a strong runner, even though he's not a real big guy. And he, he doesn't maybe initiate as much contact as Justin Davis, who likes to, to plow through people a little bit. Rojo just runs through a lot of arms because, as I mentioned, people can't really size him up and, and stay in front of him because he's too quick for that. So they don't, they don't take good angles on him. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think that we saw that, you know, what Rojo is when he has room to run. I think it's really, it's mostly about what's going on in front of him. Um, I think that when USC completely owns the other team up front and uh, gives him, you know, basically a whole field to work with, 
he's an explosive athlete, you know, very fast, and he's going to do a lot of good things. Um, I think that, you know, we would have seen more from him if USC's offensive line earlier in the year had performed better, probably given it, been able to give him more opportunities like he's had in these recent games. I think that, you know, maybe USC should have handled a couple other teams on their schedule up front a little bit better and i think we would have seen more from rojo because of that and then you know against a team like alabama where maybe he's not going to have that kind of game i think that's where you see what's preventing him from being an elite and that's you know he's probably not all the way there in terms of when the you know when the lane's really tight like the way it's going to be at the next level he's not he's probably not able to identify that yet because he's young still but he's a high class, you know, top caliber athlete. He's that NFL athlete. He's he's there. Uh, you know, I and I think that he showed that when he has room to run, there's no stopping him. Uh, especially in college, I, I think he's just kind of on a different planet than everybody else that's trying to tackle. Yeah, I I feel like this game also was really important just for his confidence because he came into the year with great expectation put upon him. He's not someone that talks a lot about what he wants to do and, and different goals. Really, he'll deflect and he'll talk about team goals and he'll make everything about the team's success. But a lot of questions that are asked of him are centered on him. They're about him and, and how good he is because people get excited about him. And naturally, we want to know what he thinks about what he can do. So I I noticed that he seemed to be a little bit anxious. And so I was just very happy for him to play well. I don't care that it was against Cal and that they're not a good defense. I mean, he actually, he and Akasidric Ware apparently had a bet, uh, a gentleman's bet, I guess, over who could reach 200 yards rushing. And Ware ran for 130 on 20 carries, which... Both were a career high for him. Rojo still never got him 20 carries. That's hilarious. He had 18 in his game. But he, he had near 200 yards before he had 15 carries. So I think he, had, he already had 200 yards before 15 carries. This was his game. And so I, I'm just, I think that that's important for him. He also caught a touchdown. We know that that's been an issue for him. Uh, maybe this is a game that where he turns a corner. And he really believes in himself because I've been of the, of the mind all year that if this team was going to go from good to great, which obviously the way it started, they still had to prove that they were even going to be good. But coming into the year, I thought if they were going to go from good to great, then they would need Rojo to take that step and be that, that elite running back. And that hadn't happened so if he's doing it now, then, yeah, this is how you beat a Washington with a guy like Ronald Jones running for over 100 yards. And I guess you got several other things. But that's part of it. You're not going to compete with Washington if he's getting stuck like he did versus Alabama. Alabama, he basically had one run for 46 yards and – his other handful of carries went for, for zero. He ended the game with 46 yards. So you're not going to beat a great team like that without him having an impact. He's the, he's the kind of player 
that, that USC has that where that's their advantage. Washington doesn't have a Rojo. They don't have a Juju. And in my opinion, they don't have a Sam Darnold. So they need their best players. They don't have a Dory. They need their best players to shine in those kinds of games. Adam Mize wearing his Ronald Jones jersey as I'm wearing a Max Brown jersey and Chris <laughs> Morales is wearing an O.J. Simpson jersey. Well, that's tradition unlike any other. I mean, listen, he did win the Heisman. Hey, I have a Naked Gun movie poster. <laughs> Do you really? In my room. No. But oh. I, thought it was I, would, I would literally have rushed over right now to see it in person. I love The poster. That's, that's what I would want to say. Like, the time for USC-Oregon homecoming for the Trojans has been set finally. One, uh, 4 p.m., Pacific. I tried to convert into uh, as though I was reading East Coast time. 4 p.m. Pacific Saturday, and the line already out there is two touchdown favorite to USC. Stay away. Yeah, that could be. That's a trap on the betting line, homeboy. Hey, I'm going to predict USC to win by like 50 points. So, really? Bet on USC. Wait, a minute, really? <laughs> wait, wait. Speaking of which, we should uh, announce that we had winners. In our weekly predict score contest, did we? We finally had some winners. Yeah, we had we had four. Wow, Chris Swanson, that's going to cost you some cards, homeboy. Yeah, I, I'm really excited. <laughs> I, I think he's only going to give out three. Oh, okay. But, but there were four winners. Well, let's let's run them down. Do we have? Do we want to run down the names? I think we should. Yeah, I think we should, too. Well, I don't have them, guys, so why don't you guys say that? <laughs> I don't either. Adam brought it up. I hope yeah. he has them. Show okay. prep to the maximum, I'll, uh, everybody. I'll get them. We will get them, and we will announce them on, on one of our other shows this week. No, no, no. no. I'll, I'll, I'll get it right now. Okay. Stand by, everybody. Yeah. Well, well uh, Adam does that. Chris, why don't you tell us why you're predicting USC to beat Oregon by, I believe you said, 60 points. Well, why not? I mean, they're on a run. Oregon's been pretty much abysmal all year. I, I I get where you guys are going. I think it could be, you know, one of these games that's sneaky because, as I mentioned too earlier, um, I'm kind of expecting Oregon to turn it around at some point. I don't know why. I just am. But, you know, the way things are going, Oregon's abysmal. They lost in a dogfight to Cal, a team that USC just destroyed. And I feel like USC is just going to destroy Oregon, uh, you know, but – but 14 points, I, why not? You know, I think 17 would be pretty safe, honestly, I, I would think. if you, I could totally see USC winning by 17 easily. So I think, you know, I'm expecting them to win big. I get where you guys are coming from. Betting is tough anyway, and I, I kind of feel, you know, questionable about every line, really, that I look at because, you know, that's the reason the line's set that way, right? Uh, usually One would think, you, yes. Well, usually when you think something's such a hot tip, or you know, you're wrong, right? Isn't that usually what happens when you're so confident about a game? Usually, you're wrong, and you don't know what you're talking about. in Las Vegas does. So I you could know. have one of those gambling hotlines where people call for the pick of the week, and your your message, your free message that you advertise, could just be, "Hey, it's Chris Swanson. Betting is tough," and then you just click. <laughs> 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 or I could just say, you know, there's a good chance that you'll lose less money if you never bet. Right, click. Yeah, click. All right, I got the winners if you we want. We have the winner. Winner okay. information now. Okay. The first winner was CJ. That's his name. Okay. Or that's his uh, handle on our board. Just CJ, okay. Yeah, 4524. Okay. Okay. Then a lot of people were very close. It was a... A good week, you know. 
the next guy... Adam Maya filling right. time as he finds the next winner. Go ahead. No, no, I was, I was thinking about how Chris said how, you know, everyone can get, like, you can get overconfident about a pick. Right. And, and then you're probably wrong. And I felt that way myself with this game. But we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. So, USC 7137 also had 4524. Nice. Congratulations. And then Bay Trojan Ooh. had 4524. Okay. And then last, but certainly not least, if uh, any of you read the Tenfold this past week, Maroc, did you read it? I did. You did? So you don't remember? No. What happened no. at the end? No. I don't think I honestly don't think I got to the end. Oh, I, I don't know beautiful. if I got all ten. Okay. I, well, well, I usually number, read you when I'm taking a, a constitutional, and I think maybe the timing didn't work. That's, did you take conjugal visit? No, constitutional, like my oh. bathroom break. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you, conjugal. But uh, <laughs> wait, where, where are you recording from? Okay. <laughs> Chris has had a few of those too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please okay. just go, just go. <laughs> okay, my my prediction for the week was forty five twenty four. Was it? Yeah, and it's funny because I texted you to ask you if you were doing a prediction because I wanted to you mention did. in the in the actual uh, in our pre- previous show, and I yeah. feel that I didn't get all the way there. Well, Adam, I think you should get a <laughs> gift card. Why not? I I should, but I won't. <laughs> but uh, I think that's the first time that I've gotten it exact. Congrats. There have been some other times where I've been in, in the neighborhood, but, you know. Congratulations. That's yeah, thank good, you. That's good knowledge. Uh, Chris Swanson, did you know that your uh, your editor picked it? Uh, yeah, because he told me the second the game ended, he texted me and said, I got it right. What are you talking about? Of course, it's Adam. A couple of things I want to say here. Uh, we should mention. That guy happened, by the way. That, totally that's happened. not surprising. We should, we should mention um, that it's another reason to subscribe. During the season, you can play this game. We should just point it out for people that are degenerate yeah. gamblers that listen. You can play this game. If you pick the score exactly right and the winner, I give you a $25 gift card. That's what happens. Yeah, and you That's gamble nothing. Fun. Yeah, and right. you're betting nothing. You're just a member. You're just putting it out there, what you think. So that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. I, I would put a score up there. Um and as for Adam, uh, I already gave Adam some gift cards recently, so oh. he should be happy with those. I just want to talk about this a little bit. I was at a Maya family party recently. It was very nice. And, of course, this moment I came, I turned it into the restaurant scene from Scarface. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't even get it. That's, okay. that's it. I just, I just want to say Adam has a very nice family. I don't fit in. I just wanted to put that in. Oh, show. yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, Chris, I felt I felt bad. He called me after the party and said, I felt like I was the worst person there. Like, who, who thinks like that? Chris wants it does. Chris is not always the most uh, confident in, in how he is in social situations. Like, he's very Remember- confident in his recruiting knowledge and his knowledge as, when it comes to the rivals business. But if you dare, you know, put him in a social situation, he feels, he feels a little uh, timid. I don't know why, Chris. 
I, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because of uh, all the things I like outside of football. My other interests. Remember my Halloween costume? Yes. Um, you know, what I said about children earlier. I'm not sure if that's getting edited out or not. So it might be my other interests. Now, did you, like did you make a scene at the party at this event that I wasn't invited to? Did you make no. a scene? Did you see the, the restaurant scene in Scarface? And of course. Where I've... Michelle Pfeiffer throws a drink in Al Pacino's face and Al yes. Pacino walks yeah. out the door. That's what I'm saying. Say, but, but did you start it, some sort of scene where somebody threw no. a drink in your face? No, that was oh, okay. that was a joke. Okay. No, it, it was my son's first birthday party. Nothing happened. It was a minion's party. Oh, I would have dressed up like a minion had you invited me. <laughs> I would have. Hundred <laughs> percent believe it. Before we, uh, I know we're about to wrap up here. I don't know if we had any final takeaways. We didn't really talk about the defense. I thought maybe we should go over that a little bit in that Cal game. I want to know, Chris, what your impressions were, and then I'll I'll tell you mine. They've been impressing me as of late, um, but as I mentioned before, I think it's a matchup thing because I think USC's defense is good at inside linebacker, is good at cornerback, is good at safety. You know, I really believe that. I just up front is where I have questions. I have questions if they'll be able to shut down a physical run team. So they looked really good to me. They shut down Cal. I think that they, that USC will look very good against every team that allows for the nickel defense to really thrive and be the, the defense to, to put out there. You know, the, when that should be your base defense, I think USC is going to play as well as anybody in the country on defense. And I'm not even kidding. I just wonder when they have to bring, you know, another guy into the box, use more defensive linemen, rotate more at that position. Um, if things will get dicier uh, for USC, but I'm with you when it's a quick pass isolation game, when it's a game that's, you know, focused on your secondary with USC secondary, I think they're going to look really good. I like USC's defense. If USC had a few more defensive linemen, I think they'd have the best defense in the, in the conference. They just don't, in my opinion. So they're, they're close, but you know, they're just, in my, there's just a flaw, just one flaw. That's bad in my opinion, but it's a good defense. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the defensive line is always going to be the caveat. They're doing what they can. I I noticed that Cal was winning the line of scrimmage at times. Not consistently, but there were times where they were doing that. That's just something to think about. They weren't able to get to the quarterback. Part of that was because Cal got the ball out so quick. And I felt like USC actually was generating a type of pressure, maybe not so much in the backfield, but just on the offense in general, where Cal felt like it had to to act quickly. Uh, they weren't able to go downfield. USC just would not give up the big play. So you're right. USC was very comfortable in the nickel against that spread offense. I, I guess that... I still think that you're going to need to get to the quarterback. And and maybe this wasn't the game to do it, but that's going to be something to to look out for. Uh, and maybe with Notre Dame and UCLA and, and Washington. The other thing was I thought the tackling was just okay. And, and that's where I think the long drives were coming from, from Cal. And uh, you know, it led to a couple long touchdown drives 
because the, the cackling wasn't their best. So playing off the theme that we talked about earlier, where this is a game that USC, they win by 20, but they're going to look at it and they're going to see a lot of things that I think they'll be motivated to improve in. And I think the coaches were, are going to be trying to, to get that message across that we can play better and that we need to play better. Absolutely. And while T. Martin appears to be somebody who's probably handing out candy at his meeting when he's going over tape to players, uh, Clancy Pendergast seems like a, he just seems like the kind of guy who's sitting on his porch with a shotgun. Be careful. Be careful. With a shotgun and, and drinking a Dewar's, a warm Dewar's. You know what I mean? He's not putting rocks on that thing. And that bottle of Dewar's is it's kind of rocking there with him on the chair. Yeah. It's like room temperature, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's room temperature. It's, it's, it's even hot, actually, for some reason. And he likes that. <laughs> and he's just, when a trick-or-treater comes up, he's just racking that shotgun, and the trick-or-treater doesn't know for sure if it's a joke, and then the trick-or-treater runs. Clancy just seems like he's a salty guy, and he's going to come at you. That's what you want from a defensive coordinator. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> okay, I, I honestly, I wish that USC's whole defensive line seemed like that kind of guy. Because yeah. I think they'd be a better team or, you know, the kind of guy that's in prison or something. I think you need that toughness. So that's a good thing. I'm glad you feel I never said he was in prison. Uh, I just said he was a, hey, an angry old man drinking doers. No, he, he yeah. was saying that they need to have players that will end up in prison. Yeah. Well, well USC that does. Could, that could be in prison. Yeah. You know. <laughs> That's that's been a problem for USC recently. They haven't had enough guys go to prison, right? Oh boy. Okay. Oh, oh well. everybody. We tried. <laughs> we tried to have a clean show. It was good. It was good while it lasted. Oh, if you want to be the publisher of Trojansports.com, <laughs> simply send your emails to Adam Aya and Chris Morales. We'll be doing a contest as part of our 2016-2017 offseason. <laughs> USC will play Oregon at the Coliseum for homecoming on Saturday. Kickoff at 4 p.m. It's going to be on ESPN, Morales, I believe. You yes. should go. For homecoming? Yeah. Huh. You haven't been in a while. I haven't been in a while. Much like a conjugal visit. The tickets are, are out there to be gotten. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. They're available. Understatement of the century. Well, I'll yeah. think about that. So, homecoming Saturday, USC, Oregon. <laughs> the line is two touchdowns, minus 14. I, I think that's scary action, but if you go with Chris Swanson, that's not scary action. Also not scary will be our two shows coming up, the message board show, which will be an extravaganza. The questions are already pouring, pouring in at Trojansports.com. And then our preview show at the end of the week leading up to USC, Oregon. We will effort the great guests that we have uh, tried to. And we always thank our great guests for joining us. Of course, the ski this Chris Swanson prediction will be there along with a little breakdown. Maya, are you going to do a, another on-point prediction in your tenfold this week? There's no way I'll get it right. But there will be a prediction in there. Beautiful. And for you to yeah, be able that, to read that premium content, go ahead, Adam, before I do my... Well, that, that will guide you on how to bet. Basically, whatever I'm telling you is it, not going to happen. <laughs> there you go. There's no way I get in a, uh, twice in a row. And to read that amazing premium content, if you're hearing this show and you don't subscribe to Trojansports.com, well, then you've just tricked yourself. Why not give yourself a treat? Less than $10 a month, less than two cups of Starbucks coffee, if you like that sort of thing, each week... And you don't even have to pay per week. 
just pay per month. Less than $10. And if you buy ahead, if you buy the whole year, you really get a nice little sweet kiss from Chris Swanson. So do that at Trojansports.com and get yourself all that premium content, all the breakdowns, all the recruiting breakdowns from Scott Sifu Schrader, what Adam and Chris do every day with amazing content. And yes, the Maya Tenfold at the end of the week that could lead you to winning money if you're into that sort of thing. Trojansports.com. We had a special item up last week with uh, from Scott Schrader and our intern, Drew Krinsky. Speaking of where, a guy who would drink warm doers. Yeah, they listed, I, w- I want to say about 50 players. Uh, they're, they're the top targets for USC in the 2017 class. And they gave a status update on every one of them. I, I that's couldn't awesome. believe, and that's amazing content. If you haven't, uh, yeah. If you if you have if you've missed it, guys. If you're listening and you don't subscribe, subscribe. Give it at least a month chance. Let give give Chris Swanson a month to insult you. That's what we all do. And if he does, then you can cancel. If he doesn't, then keep it going. By the I way, insulted I'll, all of our subscribers at one point. There you go. By the way, total. By the by the way, we just cross checked that 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 breakdown was over seventy players. That's the kind of content. The Drew Krinsky, Scott Schrader, Chris Swanson, Adam Maya, the Holmish Booker here at Trojan Sports. That's what we're doing for you. So you got to subscribe. Less than $10 a month. Make it, make it a November to remember, okay, everybody? We hope USC does the same thing. We're going to make it a November to remember and a Halloween night to remember. So be sure to be safe out there with your children, or if you're trick-or-treating for some reason, be safe out there. Don't get hit by a car, okay? That's your public service announcement for, for Chris Morales at Trojansports.com. We'll see you in a few days for our message board show, and we'll continue all the fun right here. Good win by USC. We hope we can keep it going heading into Washington. Oregon's up next, and we'll talk to you in a few days right here at Trojansports.com. Thank you. <laughs> Avoid my candy. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble abode To get a jolt from my electrode